the, the no, no, uh, desire no, tightness. Oh, no, don't say twitch the lips. Just stop. Stop. Yeah, to no, the, no, to the, no, like, no. the desire tightness, like the bottom of a torch later. No, no, stop. Can't say twist the lips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used it's to have an aunt that was like. On, on a villain. <laughs> my aunt used to like that. Used to, how she punished her kids, and they. My mom used to make, sing this song: "Mean, mean Miss Charlene, twist your lips and make you scream." <laughs> Sounds like one of those German fairy tales that aren't censored or rewritten. I think I think she was German or like something, but she was like when her kids would behave misbehave, she'd grab their lips and like. Oh, oh, that's violent, that man. That's horrible. Yeah, well, welcome to the Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides and judgment-free zone using candor and humor. If you don't listen, we'll rip your lips off or we'll twist them. <laughs> German style. Yes. We're yeah. joined here today by Jordan De La Grange. How you doing, Jordan? Outstanding. Thanks for having me on the show today, Jay. Love having you back. Jordan is a TA alum. We're going to get to that. Gary, what's going on, my man? I think you got to announce him for his fights like that. Like, you, you got to get the job as the announcer. And then oh, man. that was like a pretty good announcing job. Oh, My right? first fight, I loved the announcer so much. He literally, most people, I'm from the Midwest, and they just say my last name, like Delagrange. <laughs> yeah, that's know? how it is here in America. Delagrange. <laughs> but he walks out there and he goes, Jordan, Delagrange. <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, let's go. I don't even care. Let's go. <laughs> right? It's respectful. It's actually a... To know how yeah, to properly pronounce someone's name, especially if they're a professional. You're getting ready to put them out on, you know, the stage. You've been training your whole life. And they're like, Grangy. You know, and you're like, no, come on, man. This isn't how I imagined my moment. <laughs> Hands up yeah, in the air and they true. pronounce your name wrong. Especially for yeah. like a debut or something. It's like you're really trying to put out what you are and then something like that. <laughs> I mean... I wouldn't let it throw me off, but some people might, you know. Sure. Cool yeah. as a cucumber, though. That's cool as a cucumber. <laughs> I love, I love how smooth Jordan is. He's always got that even keel, um, always measured in what he's saying and thoughtfully listening, not thinking about what he's going to respond with while you're talking, which is very rare in this day and age. And I love that he talks very deeply and thinks about things from a holistic approach. Um, Jordan, man, uh, missed you on the show. I haven't uh, seen you in a long time. Love having you back on. What's going on out there in L.A., man? Dude, so much has changed. So much has changed. It's almost like I'm an entirely different person with an entirely different life path. I mean, a lot of the core fundamentals have stayed the same. And I'd also like to say that Dude, it's a huge pleasure to be back talking to you guys again, talking about these changes. Um, last time that we talked, I was still pursuing more of the acting side of things. I was still in school pursuing the doctorate in Chinese medicine. But I feel like I was still holding on to some things, especially past things uh, that weren't fulfilling my purpose to its full potential. Mm. Now I feel like I'm walking that path. Like I really know what I'm doing. I love that. And I think you would probably agree that without taking that fork in the road at some point, you wouldn't have the tools in your toolbox for rejoining that same road and being as effective as you could be. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I think there were 
some serious hardships and like mind opening realizations that I had to make. And now look at like, if I continued down the acting path and really just like tried to force something that wasn't happening, mm-hmm. SAG efforts on strike right now. People aren't getting work. I wouldn't be doing anything. You know, I'd still be in school. I'd still be studying. But now I feel like getting started with this fight career, you know, I'm going on my fourth fight now. Um, next week, next Saturday. My man. Uh, with Sparstar. Sparstar is a hell of a promotion. I love Michael Gross. I love Heather. They're all like really genuine human beings and they get me great fights every time. Whether it's a win or a lose, you know, it's always great fights and I'm able to get get out there and like show what I can do. And they also allow me to bring my doctors with me and we set up a little tent and we go and we treat the fighters for free. And through that, not only did I get a lot of great fight content and fight exposure, but I also connected with so many people in the fight community in such a short amount of time. It's insane. I ended up just, you know, I trained with the traditional martial arts school, West Coast Wing Chun. um, And that was pretty much the only thing that I did for five years. And then after I started fighting, boom, all of a sudden I'm getting invited to Dan Henderson's in Temecula. Boom, I'm going to Muay Thai schools, multiple different gyms, sparring, expanding, going to Gracie schools to do uh, BJJ and and just like learning the art on a whole nother level all through my connection to people. And it's been crazy, man, the, the journey. Would you say, I think uh, the analogy outside looking in it's kind of like reading a book about what you want to be for a long period of time, studying it inside and out, then closing it and getting into the world in the practical use scenario where you actually get to put all those skills that you've been working on and honing. Because you're, I mean, super meticulous in every art that you approach. I mean, I can't explain to people, watching you with nunchucks is amazing. And I tell you, it's a way different experience than opening the door with my dad in his underwear, um, playing with his in like 1979. <laughs> you see him and oh, it's, it's an art form. You see thing. that, it's a core memory that shocks you to the, you know, end of, right. end of all time. Yeah. But I say that because it, while you were, you were a Marine as well, but I feel like all of that time that you've studied and traveled and put into philosophy and medicinal, you know, uses and holistic approaches to thing that you now have a toolbox that gets you to get out there and put it to practical use. Yeah, I think it was a lot of compacted experience. That's the best way that I can describe it because I left my home when I was 17 mm. and they shipped me all the way across the country. So, you know, I went home, I still saw my family. I still had leave days, but majority of my time I was with other Marines or by myself. I was always the type of guy who preferred to be by myself. Um, so extremely introverted, which I finally feel like I've broken that shell through the fight career. Um, and it's changed me in, in some ways because I realized that there's so much when you have a, a goal and a purpose and you're trying to work towards something like you cannot do it by yourself. You're not you supposed to need other people. Yeah. 
you need other people, you need a community and you need to be able to communicate and having the ability to communicate and share what's important to you with others. And also at the same time, be able to connect to what's important to them has been like the most valuable skill in taking my life from reading a book and not applying to the stage where I'm exploring and applying to now the stage where I'm writing and giving and exchanging. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, Gary, you got any questions? I mean, probably tons. Yeah, I, I don't even know where to really start. I feel like uh, I feel like I've seen your setup at the, you know, at some fights or in some footage or something, um, the doctor area. I'm not sure where, but that's very familiar to me. But I speak with a lot of people in the medical field, especially involving fighting. And so many people are into different, different types of healing. And, you know, everybody's kind of got an open mind, I think, in this world. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people will go to different non-traditional types of medicine and, and different ways to heal the body and the mind and the soul. And I think that's pretty cool because it's based in martial arts, and you know, really old, you know, none of this modern technology existed when martial arts started. So I think that people getting into the, in the ancient ways of doing things and, and or at least being open to different ways to heal the body. And I think that's, I think it's what, you know, we're looked at and I put myself in the martial arts, mixed martial arts where I've been doing it for 20 years as like barbarian still by some people like, and this is just this violent sport. And, but there's so many smart people, mm -hmm. you know, every level of education, whether it be street education or master's degrees from top universities that are in this. And, you know, when it comes to the, it used to be just bro science and iron sharpens iron and we wrap ourselves in a garbage bag to cut the weight. Please, we please define bro like science. I need to know what bro science is. It's like when it comes to like cutting weight, like you just got to eat like a bunch of potatoes, man. And then like, you got to oh, like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Your buddy you to spit after drinking this for an hour and you'll lose six extra ounces for a wrestling yeah, match. All like, this weird crap. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah I was once told to take a plastic bag, like a piece of a plastic bag, like a Walmart bag and chew on it. Like for hours, don't they come with warning labels for it. infants for that exact reason? <laughs> yeah, and I I literally told this is my friend, you know, but I'm, I, I told him like, dude, I'm not doing that, and he got mad at me. He was like, what? Like, trust me, bro. Like, I'm like, no. Just trust me, bro. Is all you need to know. Okay, trust bro. Trust me, bro. <laughs> yeah. So someone says trust me, bro. I'm like, yeah, we're not doing whatever you're about to tell me next. That, so you that can should stop be talking. our next T-shirt. Our next T-shirt <laughs> should be me, something. Bro. Trust me, bro. And just somebody holding <laughs> something out to you like this with a little piece of plastic. Gary, you want to make that something one? Something that is. <laughs> yeah, very I'm gonna make bad it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it, it's it's the progression of shit. You know, it's like there's people with degrees in all of the stuff now that have like really studied it. But you know, growing up when I wrestled as a young kid, you know, the early '90s or whatever, and you know, I was fucking going to my mom's granddam with garbage bags and duct tape, sweat your yep. fucking balls off, you know. And then, you know, it's it was like that deep into you know Ultimate Fighter where they're cutting weight like that and shit you know, deep into the seasons before we started getting people like Tyler Minton and other people that like really studied the science of it. And that dude's you know, smart. That guy's really smart. Yeah. He knows his stuff. I love watching he's all of his videos on Instagram. He's constantly yeah. just sharing the best advice. Yeah. And it's like, he'll tell you what he doesn't know. And these other guys would never do that, you know, and there's everybody's body's different and shit and 
getting everyone to cut weight or do anything the same way, you know, I don't believe is effective. You got to kind of know the people you're working with. And um, I think, and then recovery is another thing. It used to be like maybe an ice bath, you know, that was it. And now there's all different types of ways to recover. Oh, don't even get me started, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what you're here for, it. my man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this exactly. is the moment. I'm, I'm here to spread the knowledge. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the Ultimate Fighter this season, and um, one of my buddies was actually on there on on McGregor's team. His name's Trevor Wells. Yep. Yeah. He's that dude's a beast. Yeah. Um. It it was a. In interesting season to uh to execute um but it came out good trevor's a tough dude um i think the good and the bad about having a guy like conor mcgregor is he does bring high balls to the show but they stay on him a little more than they should yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know there's these guys that you know are up and coming guys and trying we're trying to tell their stories in a very limited amount of time once it went on to linear television again, you're set to a 42 minutes and that's it. You know, we have a little leeway when we're online. Um, but the fight goes long and that's half the episode. And then you have the previously on, the next on, the, the way in, the fight announcement. You have all these pieces of business that every episode needs to have, like to actually tell the stories of these guys becomes very difficult and gives you very little time to do so. Uh, well, I'd say that and it's then, an art and you guys perfected it for many, many, many years, getting that window into these guys' lives with the slight try. changes in things like lighting or the way that somebody looks because it does focus you longer, you know, into that person's gaze. So you're listening to them, even though it's a short amount of time, it's much more impactful. Sorry, I like to give you your compliments yeah. on this because when Gary and I first met, um, we were talking, you know, probably like, I don't know, four or five months later, I asked him, you know, because I watched that show and it, for a long time, just alone sitting in my, uh, my den, um, at night. And I remember in one season that when they were speaking with the fighters and talking about like their backstory, things that were really important, you know, was that one-on-one, -on -one, you know, time where you don't see the person actually interviewing them. They're just speaking to the camera. but there was a light, a singular light that sat around their pupil right in the eye that it was almost hypnotic the way that it, it erased everything else in the room and allowed you to have a direct link to that person speaking. You weren't involved with anything else. And I think that that's something that creators don't get a chance to, to speak about or highlight. Because I'm sure those fighters would tell you that people were like, wow, you look great on camera. You were really engaging, that type of thing. I think it's important to recognize that, like uh, Jordan said earlier, you need a community. Um, and I'm glad that you found your community because that gives you an opportunity to spread that great stuff that you're spreading. Sorry for cutting you off, Gary, but I think that you really deserve that highlight um, because it is an art to be standing there with all these people filled with you know so many emotions in a boiler you know a boiling pot of water and you've got to make art at the same time that is some serious skill i got some good people around me i mean it, the interviews look on the tv shows very important and very criticized and we used to have these elaborate backgrounds and you know build them out for days and all this lighting and everything. And then our director of photography, Michael Khalili, just decided, 
like that's taking away from what everything really is. And ring ring lights are very popular now. They weren't ten years ago. Yeah, it was a um, long time so ago. He made, yeah, he made an octagon shaped light that's quite large. The camera sits in the middle of the light um, and blacks out the room, and they sit backwards like cool kid in the cafeteria style on the fucking chair with their face right to the camera, and and that's it. A, a window into the soul, no laser lights and backgrounds, and you know, so Chuck and Tito season. We had like fire and ice theme, and we had all this shit that they looked cool in the time. You look back at it now, you're like, "What the fuck are we doing?" But <laughs> it's um, right next to your you no know. fear T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, well, right next to our tap out T-shirts. Oh, yeah. You know, the tap out guys <laughs> used to help us design those things, and uh, they're, you know, not knocking them because we we're right in yeah, it. That was just the was look the at style. the time, and like. Yeah, you know, we, I fucking have 300 tap-out shirts in this apartment somewhere if you start digging in freights and shit. And uh, those guys were super integral into, like, making MMA what it was. You know, they brought it into the mainstream of fashion and everything else. Maybe not the best fashion ever, but it got into every... Everyone had one, you know? People will lie. If, but if they were in the MMA world at that time, they had a tap-out shirt. At least one, you know? Oh, yeah. I remember those. And, uh, I forgot about them, I remember actually until you said that, yeah. and I was like, "Oh man, holy crap! Those shirts were everywhere." Yeah, they started out of the trunk of their car. I remember UFC thirty nine or something around there. Oh no, uh, I like buying them. a shirt. Yeah, trunk. I mean, they were outside the MGM Grand parking lot getting harassed by security, and you know he's arguing with the guy like, "Man, this is how the fighters, you know, they make their money. Like, let me just fucking sell this guy's t shirt." I love that. You know, and like. That dude, uh, he's no longer here anymore, but uh, he was a really good dude. And uh, wow, like he he gave every dime he fucking made at the beginning to get these fighters a chance to get to the next fight, to get their medicals done, to do what you had to do. That's a hell you know, of a story. And it became a fucking yeah, man. He was fucking. People took you know he had his face painted and they looked all crazy and looked a little like you know a little a little unapproachable in a way maybe, but they were fucking good dudes and all they gave a shit about was the fighters and you know it was. That's a whole subsection, not to go on a tangent, but, you know, obviously knowing Jordan uh, a little and you knowing him a lot and everything you said about him, it, it's a good person in this business. And there's so many of them. And outside looking in, you don't see that. You don't see people are thoughtful and kind and, and do these kinds of things. But I could count on one hand the amount of people I've fucking hated in the last 20 years in this business, you know, and any other business. It, 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 I would need a lot more hands. There's, so. there's the good and the bad, man. And I think a lot of people look at fighting and they see more of the bad. You know, it's very misunderstood. One thing I liked about The Ultimate Fighter was I really got a sense to the why for a lot of the guys, why they were fighting. And that's a really mm. good message to give because that is like, as a martial artist, that's a core principle. That's like uh, Ip Man talked about having heart as a fighter and how important heart is. And what that really means is what is your purpose? Like, what are you really fighting for? You're not just fighting for yourself or just fighting to fight because you think it's fun. There is something inside you that makes you fight, you know? And someone who has that well-defined as a fighter is going to go a lot further than someone who doesn't have that well-defined, in my opinion. I agree. And it's not just in the fight. It's in getting up in the morning to run. It's in going to that practice on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. It's in staying later. You know, it's not just the will to win in the fight. It's the will to fucking kick your own ass so hard to get to the, you know, where you need to be physically and mentally to be prepared are, for that fight. Too. Are you being authentic or are you a character? I mean, that's the, the two different things. Are you playing a role? Are you playing fighter? 
because you feel like fighter is going to get you the most of what you feel good about in the accolades department or whatever it is? Or do you wake up, you know, and you know that that is who you are and what you were made to do and you're going to use it to fuel whatever other passion you have as well? You know, however, it is the tool that you make it right. But the people that are playing the role are the ones that aren't going to be successful. That's the ones that you're describing, Jordan, that um, they're the there's the good and the misled. Right. Um, And I don't say misled within like the MMA community. I mean, misled to believe that they can emulate other people and feel successful and full. Simple as that. Yeah, there's there's another side to it, too. There's guys that are so athletically gifted that they get pulled into this sport Mm. and everyone tells them, like, you got to do this right. They don't fucking like it, though. They don't like hurting people or they don't like fighting. It's a grind. You're sweaty dudes bleeding in your fucking face all day and you're in uncomfortable situations Dodgeball moments. Yeah, it sucks a lot. And then you have to embrace that suck. But if you hate it, but you just happen to be a freak athlete and, and you're just whipping everybody's ass on, on the come up and like, then it gets to the point where everyone's a freak athlete and then you have to have all that other shit too. Like a lot of them just did it because it was their only option or cause they were so good. They could not do it. And then they get to a point where it's just their heart's not in it. And that's when you start getting fucking separated from consciousness, you know, and seriously injured. And it's a, uh, sometimes it's malicious and they're just trying to capitalize on what the popular thing is at the time, or they think they'll get them chicks or they're just the tough dude and they don't mm. do it the right way. And they only get the so far. Sometimes swimming, it's just kind of swimming in semen. Yeah. We do some stupid just, shit around they, those yeah. uh, peak years. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of those guys get weeded out in the amateurs, you know. Mm. I mean, some yeah. of them make it to pro. Oh, that's that's which scary. is a, it, yeah. It's a, it's a it's a a testament to why like MMA amateur shit is much better than boxing. I mean, there's a lot of differences, but in boxing they do everything they can to protect that. Oh, even in the amateurs, and then in MMA you see a lot of great fighters that got losses as amateurs. Um, and I think that's where you take your losses. If you're not a very good grappler uh, or you're not sure, go fucking fight a black belt. You know, if your boxing is suspect, go fight a boxer. You know, it's like learn then, not later, you know, and, and progress all these skills. But, you know, I've argued with managers about this before. They're trying to do that in MMA a little bit and said, hey, man, like, this guy got to know it's like to take that loss now. Um because it's cliche as fuck, but you do learn a lot more from losses in a way. If I go out there and starch the guy in 15 seconds every time, like, I don't know what it's going to be like when I'm in that triangle in third round and I'm tired and brain's not working right and how the fuck to get out of that, you know? Yeah, I mean, when I, I'm, I'm an amateur now, you know, and I want my hardest opponents right now. And I'm not even going out there to win every fight, but I do know if I want to continue to spread this message, I've got to win when I go pro. Because if I don't win, they're not going to keep signing me, you know. But when it comes to amateur, I have a uh, synchronous and mutually beneficial relationship with these promotions. And they want to put on shows. They don't care if people are losing, you know. They care about if it's mutually beneficial beneficial to um, sign you or get you on the cards, you know. Um, So I've lost my last two fights. And they were both banger fights. I learned so much. Um, and I'm not even pressed about why I lost. I'm ready to get in there again. You know what I mean? I may have felt a certain way directly after. And I think every fighter goes through that. And to be honest with you, I had this like delayed awakening starting 
with the death of my mentor, Dave Lee, um, who was huge Hollywood stunt guy, uh, taught me a lot about what I know when it comes to martial arts and also life philosophy and also acting, stunt acting, things like that. He passed really unexpectedly for a lot of people, especially for me. He didn't even tell me that he had lung cancer. Um, and then I found out as he was on his deathbed, it was rough. Yeah, I remember um, that. We talked uh, quite a bit about it. Um, yeah. Super sad. Again, I'm, I'm so sorry for was, you. Oh, dude, it was a week, like a week before or a couple weeks before my first fight. And I, I won that fight. And then I was like, okay, I'm doing something and I'm doing it for him. And then my second fight came around. And this one was um, in Lake Elsinore at the Diamond. And that fight was crazy, bloody. Uh, I lost that one by decision. And this is when I started to feel the decline of my motivation. Because I've always, like, I don't like to hurt people. Like Gary was saying, there's people who don't like to hurt people. No. Um, and I was trying to figure out, like, where am I going to get this reason to actually give it everything, you know? And then the third fight was coming around, got in there. I was going crazy the first round, going insane on him. And then in the second round, something happened where I was just, like, so gassed. But it wasn't even physical gas. It was just, like, I was sitting there, and he had me in an arm choke. And I knew I could just, like, telephone out of it. Um, and one of my buddies confirmed that he's like, dude, you could have just done this and you would have been good. But I was sitting there and I'm like, why am I in here right now? Like, what am I doing here? Like I can just tap and be done and then go to my tent, go treat fighters. And that's what I'm really here to do. But now going into this next fight, I had a moment where I went home, visited my dad for, uh, a week right before father's day. and for some reason, I was thinking about a lot of things. I was going through a lot of changes in my mind in regards to my friends, in regards to my family, in regards to what I'm doing with my life. And I had a lot of anger because I had this experience with my sister where she got put on Paxil by someone who's not even a doctor. And then she stopped taking it. And it's an SSRI. Mm. When you stop taking an SSRI cold turkey, what happens is it permanently damages your nervous system and causes you to go basically psychotic and manic. Mm -hmm. And I had to go through that experience over Christmas, which was supposed to be a good time for me with me and my family. And I had to diagnose her and, and like send her to the ER and tell these doctors like, listen, this is what you need to put her on right now. Put her on Lamotrigine to protect, to coat her neurons. And get her back on Paxil and start weaning her off this, get her onto appropriate medication. Like, mm -hmm. I can't believe you fucked this up. Like, she's got a family, you know? And I got angry. I got real angry. And that's when this anger started swelling. And that's when I suddenly got all this energy to start writing my book, which I'll, I'll name drop now, I guess, Five Elements of Preventative Medicine, which is coming out in September. And... Now Congratulations. I'm going into You've been this next on fight for a long time, about two years now, but it was, it was like a steady pace working on it. And then all of a sudden when this happened, it was just like, like the words were just flowing and it wasn't even coming from in my brain. It was like coming from 
the universe or something, man. Like I was just putting this stuff down, like writing like 10,000 words a day. And now we're finally done and just in the editing, editing stage. And now I'm thinking about this is why I'm fighting because I'm pissed, man. Like America healthcare is just shit. Like it's straight shit, man. Look at Taiwan. Look at Japan. Like healthcare there is so readily available, <laughs> mostly free or taken from their taxes in a reasonable way. They utilize the way that their government funds it in an incredibly like proactive way. Focus on preventative healthcare. It's balanced. It's balanced within the five elements mentioning my book. It has it has a continuum. One isn't taking too much from the other, but you look at ours and it's it's run like a business, man. Like straight up. I had a scientist tell me that the way that our pharmaceutical companies work is they're competing with each other for exclusivity of drugs mm -hmm. that are superior to other drugs. Part of the patenting and the approval process is how profitable can this drug be for me compared to like if these other companies don't have it and they're not selling it to the hospitals, how profitable is this? Not, and their focus is not, not on efficacy or anything like that. Yeah. Is this without side effects, without long-term effects? They don't even think about what they're actually doing to people. They're just thinking about how much silver they can line their pockets with, man. Like what the fuck? to me was that a drug and I don't know the time frames or anything like that but a drug has a certain amount of time that it's allowed to be um not what's the words I'm looking for here it'll be sold at cost or at at a higher price in the beginning and then after, after a certain amount of years then generics are allowed to enter the market so those drugs <laughs> can be made for mm -hmm. pennies on the dollar compared to the other and are sitting in the, you know, the wings waiting to come out. But because of whatever legal reason, we're paying $10,000 for, you know, one syringe of this or one pill of that when, you know, the generic is pennies on the dollar. It breaks my I will, heart. Uh, 
it sucks, but, and I 100% agree with you guys, but the one very smart businessman talked to me about this recently, said if that capitalism didn't exist, they would have no incentive to do any of this. I get it. If that race wasn't on to beat each other out to make a billion dollars, these companies just would never have had the money. And it would be, because America develops the drugs that Canada and all these people use, and they just use it in a better way and in a more righteous way. But this capitalistic system of trying to make the billion dollars off the shit is what's got these guys in the top scientists in the world grinding it out to try to do it. And now, then, now it's a philosophical debate, you know. <laughs> yeah, it do sucks, it for money or love against, of humanity. Pick one. Right, but they're, but the, you have to have the money to do it yeah, either way. Uh, yeah, I get it. You know, which sucks because I'm 100% against the fucking medical. I've been going through it myself. I've watched, you know, my friend, best friend pass away mm. from cancer after 18 months of hell and a lot of that was just due to mismanagement and bullshit and I fucking hate it and uh it's crazy because you know I have another good friend that got out of TV and went into pharmaceutical sales and he was in there for a while and they had a I think a juvenile diabetes drug that they knew was bunk and they had six months where they were allowed to like fight the the FDA or whatever till it got pulled and they had all these incentives to whoever could sell the most of it in that six month time got like bonuses and like all that shit and that's why he quit he's like I can't fucking do this but yet you know they have a time where they decide that it's bad and then they get to the re- you know court proceedings or whatever to like while well, they prove that it is yep. but it gets to stay on the market during that time and like it's every evil time there's fuck. a stay they push things out they ask for more discovery for this yeah. and they put out yeah. that litigation model where they just string it out kind of like uh, politics so if we'll just ask another question or say no because of this say yeah. no because of this let's try one more try until they finally yeah. say we have to and all that time yeah, just, you're poisoning people yeah yeah, we have a government that's on one side or the other. There's no middle. So there should be a middle where like, yes, we need to make profit, but not like at the expense of humans and their health. Like, how do we figure out how to subsidize that as a government so that R&D keeps happening without it having to deal with just like killing tons of people and filling them full of poison and not wanting to do preventative medicine because there's no, they prevent everything. These guys don't make any money. You know, so, it's really funny too. Yeah. Presently, the U.S. allocates a staggering 18% of its GDP to healthcare. Do you know how much that is? Trillions, probably. That is $4.5 trillion. Yeah. You're telling me <laughs> that we can't afford to pay for <laughs> pharmaceutical research and preventative medicine for everyone? We can. No, we can't if the government did that. That's what I'm saying. Dude. The government needs to get involved in that process but the companies have no incentive to do that because yeah, they're just so crapless kill. Yeah. The, the government needs <laughs> to put part of that money into the right place and subsidize it you know because without that system these companies can't make enough money to do it on their own and they're evil motherfuckers and they're trying to keep as much well, profit our government doesn't help us with anything think really. about like imaging products yeah. I, I i myself have had so much imaging done for so many stupid injuries and stuff like that from CTs to MRIs to x-rays to whatever, you know, we're going to inject this in you and take a picture of you that way and whatever it is. Outside of maintenance of that particular machine, the giant Polaroid camera, if you will, you know, that costs more and obviously is super intricate, whatever. But doesn't it pay for itself after, you know, $10,000, scans that you've charged? Like, it's paid for, yet it'll continue taking pictures at the same price or raising with, you know, inflation 
when, you know, it's just whatever film or person that needs to fill the chair to run the thing or the parts that are used to maintain it. That right there alone is insanity to me. This is where the excuses don't line up with reality. You know, it's just excuse after excuse to fill someone's pocket with silver. And it bothers me a lot. It pisses me off, dude. Um, There's the vast majority of this 4.5 trillion, which is funneled towards managing chronic diseases and implementing late stage interventions. And that just doesn't make any sense because if we want a healthy America, if we want workers that are contributing to society's growth, that are creative, that are masters of their craft, you don't let them get to this state of health. You should educate them. You should give them power to manage their their vessel, this body that they exist in, like in the Bible. I mean, I'm not a diehard Christian, but like your body is your temple. So we should be knowing how to take care of ourselves so that we can contribute to society. But instead, we're contributing to someone else as their little worker bees. That person is taking on the role of being like, I'm the one who deserves to contribute to society and, and mold what society is. These other people, they're not important. They're just little worker bees. I don't care how long they live. They can die off. We'll just replace them real quick, you know? And I don't like that mindset because nah. one of the greatest powers of a human being is that each human being has a different mind, different genetic code, a different potential outcome. And if you really, really spend time creating potential for that person by giving them the tools they need, they can create something that you would never even be able to dream of. They're supposed because to. Because that's what we do. That's how we yeah. get better. That's how we support each other in this country. That's how we should. But we're being overrun by greed on a level that our country has never seen before, man. You know, we it's don't horrible. necessarily uh, talk about politics all that much. And we're not necessarily talking about that right now. We're just kind of talking about how we're treating humans in this country and the predatory nature of the healthcare system. But there was something interesting that I saw the other day, and it was talking about. Um, commercials. And when they were allowed, there used to be a law in place, they, they weren't allowed to advertise to children. And then somewhere around the 80s, I guess it was Reagan, um, did away with the law and allowed them to start advertising to kids. And of course, for us three, we know what that looked like. It was an onslaught of toys and cereal boxes and Nerf guns and everything in between every like the floodgates open and i think that that's just another it was it was really a moment where it just caught me off guard like i didn't think about what it meant to be putting things at such an early age you know into their minds and the sword that was wielded by the government or businesses versus you know the families or the friendships, you know, the the smaller community, man. It was wild to hear that that there was actually something in place that we removed. Like I could understand trying to close it, but why did we open it? Money, you know, whoever was paying for whatever dickhead got elected, that was their agenda, and that's how it works. 
God, man. And that's the problem. Money is yeah. just a, our own illusion that we created to make excuses for things that we do. It's not real. You can have zero money and still do so much. Like, you know, at one point I was living out of my car in a parking lot working as a personal trainer. Now I own my own business and I've created for myself everything that I wanted to do. Anyone can do that if they have the willpower to do it, you know? But why are we not giving people the ability to have the willpower to do this? Why are, I'm not going into politics here, but why, why are the mentioning of po population control, like why is that happening? You know, is it, like I, I hear words like this, but I got to be honest, my media filter is very, very, very small because I don't believe about 98% of what is bombarded from these different sources. I feel that the majority of them are not trustworthy. Do I believe something like that can be happening? Hell yeah. 100% probably is in one way, shape or form. We know that there are decisions made that will affect the populace that we will never know about that, you know, you're probably about to discuss. It's something that our vice president said. And it's things like this. It slips, you know, it slips when they're talking to the general public. Um, our leaders spend so much time talking amongst themselves with the elites, the people that actually plan everything that's going on for their benefit, that when they start talking to the people, they're so used to talking to these other people that things just slip out. They got to they gotta have a, a cutoff age before Uncle Henry starts telling the family secrets. <laughs> oh, you mean our one million year old president? And, oh, that everyone has in no between, idea man, they're all ever. that way. I feel like they should have the new litmus test for being in official office is whether or not you could save a PDF. Tired. Or you could tie your shoes or, like, know what state you're in or, like, I mean, fucking Jesus, man. Like, I'm a very liberal person, and but I don't identify in any way, shape, or form with a political party. But, like, damn, like, the options are given us with close to 400 million humans in this country and the people that we have to choose from is oh, ridiculous. It sucks. It's like the Muppet Show. Yeah, I mean, they're both. The options you have are super old guys that are either definitely evil most likely evil, but definitely don't know where they're at or they're not qualified. I feel like you just gave like, me a survey. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you like it? Not like it so much. Kind of like it. Yeah, you're right, dude. They suck on so many levels. They're they're parading the worst of the worst. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, to get into that, we would need like a 10 hour podcast. But uh, yeah. in about 20 minutes, just so you guys know, I'm going to have to go spar. Uh, so I want to get into the next thing I was going to talk about, which is the five element model and what my whole book is based upon. Do it, man. And how we can't change all this that we're talking about, all this corruption, all this bullshit, but we can change what each individual does for themselves. Um, and that's why I'm, I wrote the book, The Five Elements of Preventative Medicine, so that way I could put this information out there so the public can access it and hopefully utilize it. So basically what the five element model is, is a different way of seeing the world. It's not literal wood, fire, earth, 
water. It's not like Avatar, the last airbender shit. It's thinking about your health from mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, social aspects, bioelectrical, structural, musculoskeletal, thinking about your digestive, your biochemical systems from an interconnected microcosm way. And seeing how like, if you've got one element that's really well taken care of, and you've got another element that's not, this element that's deficient is going to not generate enough in this other element. And when this element becomes deficient, well, another one's going to go into excess. It's like, uh, for example, people who are on the computer all the time, they get this called upper cross syndrome because their chest muscles are so tight. I just moved my head back their... instinctively. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, go like this. So what we teach people as a manual therapist like myself is tuck your chin like there's a string pulling the top of your head towards the ceiling. That straightens your cervical spine. It puts tension on your chest muscles to stretch them strengthens your trap muscles so that's already an elemental correction and you can make thousands of those i think they do make those like shoulder like devices that'll hold you like you know like you're standing at attention (laughs) they have those you correct your posture like strap things i think just holding your own shoulders up is probably the best way to yeah, but this. if you're typing and you're shitting there all day, like you're probably not thinking to like hold your shoulders up. So if there was something that Ooh. wasn't ridiculous that could hold you there, that could be better. That's a that's another good point because then that goes into another element that goes into your cognitive element or your fire element, and that's your awareness of what's going on in your body. You know, it's easy for us to get so focused on the work that we're doing, so over focused that we just completely forget what our body's doing. But it is actually possible to be focused on this and this at the same time, you know, and that's something you have to develop. You have to like put work into it. Mindfulness. We don't teach yeah. that in school, man. No, not at all. I'm, I'm pissed Hicksville, that we don't. Ohio. I'm pissed that I didn't Hicksville, figure out. Ohio, bro. Yeah. Wait, what are, what are we talking shit about Ohio? <laughs> Hicksville, Ohio, I'll talk shit about. Man. Which part of Hicksville? What's Hicksville? Which part? Um, so that's Northwestern Ohio. Close to Fort Wayne. Why? Why do Tiny I feel like town. shots are fired at me at the same time in this? I'm not <laughs> well, cool with like this Florida Hicksville. Sucks. <laughs> it's my last yeah, name I'm, for oh, God's sake. Andrew Hillbilly. So it's like it's oh, yeah. same time. <laughs> there's two Hicksvilles in America. One's in Ohio. One's in New York. I've never oh, been it's to actually the one. Hicksville. Yeah, it's, it's actually just Hicksville. Make, like, yeah, Jerry's from Ohio. Where? Uh, where is this? How do you not know where this is, Gary? Um, because it's like all Ohioans know everything about Ohio. No, there's people that live in the city, and there's Amish people. (laughs) There's whoopie pies (laughs) (laughs) and moon pies. So, just so you know, Hicksville is the Amish people. (laughs) Oh, is it It really? It's like, oh yeah, the horse and buggies all the time, man. Nice and and people People who are just like Amish stuff. Oh, I've seen it. I lived in upstate New York when I was in the army, and there's. There's Amish up and down 81 all the way through Pennsylvania, all the way down through. Like all the uh, stops it, on that road has like Amish something. And uh, I'll tell you what, man. I, you know, there's actually a lot of things I really love about having grown up in that town. But then I think about the things that should have been there. And 
not only are they not present in that town's education system, they're not present in the whole United States education system. And I'm yeah. not going to say it's not present everywhere, but as a whole, people don't learn mindfulness. No. Maybe we're starting to, maybe we're getting closer, but it needs to be like curriculum, man. Like not some support for some kid that we think has special needs. No, every kid needs to know how to use their mind. guys got like a uh uh there um, you are a, like a huge mural in your town that like everybody was talking about is that you guys they did just put that up recently and honestly yeah. that's a pretty pretty beautiful mural i was recently I, uh, back um the town has changed quite a bit since the last time i was there um and everything's improving but how can we make it improve better you know what i mean yeah i remember seeing that i'm big into art and graffiti and shit i was looking at some street art type stuff and I'm pretty sure I saw something that was Hicksville. Yeah, Hicksville Hicks. is like you'll drive through on your way to Fort Wayne. It's a wasted and, opportunity to live in a small rural community not understanding mindfulness. It's almost ironic that you're in the most peaceful area where you could enjoy mindfulness at its peak, but they're not teaching it to you while you're sitting there, they're indoctrinating you instead. Small yeah, town she, mindset. Dude. And usually a tremendous amount of poverty and opiate addiction in Ohio and the small towns too. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, man. In Florida. There was a lot of drug stuff going on in my town. I tell you what, I'm going to get into my countryside. Keep, I'm like Hank Hill over here. I tell you what. Yeah, tell yeah, you you what. just completely changed. They, they don't talk like that in Los Angeles. no damn Valentine's to a boy, son. <laughs> God damn it, Bobby. Damn it, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right, yeah, dude. I, I grew up in that yeah. same environment. And I don't want to disrespect small town America because there's a lot of great things about it. There's a community. There is love. There is, you know a sense of protection, you know, with your neighbors that they're looking out for you and things like that. But at, there's less and less of that and more and more of what we're discussing these days, you know, and in Florida, they're just, you know, chucking ninja stars with tutus on wearing tiaras and a camouflage jacket all jacked up on whatever drug in front of 7-Eleven at any given moment. That has to be your Halloween costume, the exact thing you described. I just rattled off some bizarre words. I don't know. Because you don't have to. When you name what a meth head's wearing on a corner, you could literally just name off whatever. If you jumped into a trash can and came out, ha ha, you'd be in a meth head's outfit. <laughs> oh, and it's, it's just normal then. Yeah. Dude, it's normal like, here. 
Like, oh my God. But the fact is that they put time into them. That's the ones that I love. The ones that actually went out of their way to make it look a specific way. I got kind of, I got some love for that. Like there's, there's a creative heart in there. Yeah, it's the four-year-old that, like in, uh, what is it, Big Daddy, where the kid likes to wear his, like, water, his rain boots and his cape and shit. Same <laughs> time. Beautiful. Same thing. Be you, man. <laughs> if you're going to do, dude, okay, so if I'm going to be strung out on something, I at least want to be acting like a fucking goof ass. Like, I don't want to be the guy <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, shitting in the cafeteria or anything like that. I want to be the dude that's wearing I mean, that's galoshes funny. and a fucking tutu. Or yeah. the guy who's just like extremely aggressive for no oh, reason, yeah, like kicking guy. down people's planners, you know, like the goofy guy is at least someone you can be like, look at him. He's just, he's just enjoying himself in his own little world <laughs> look over at there. Him go. Yeah. Not like, yo, don't, don't get within three feet of that guy. You know, he's like, a yeah. spitter. Like you don't want to be the spitter. Oh, no, <laughs> not the spitter, man. The spitter's the worst. Like not that. the COVID spreader. Oh, oh. yeah. No. <laughs> um, so why don't you tell everybody, because you said you're a business owner, you're so interested in the medical community. Why don't you tell us about Sanctuary of Healing? Sanctuary of Art and Healing, Art and healing. is my business. Um, our business model is to not profit off of health providers. So a lot of times I'm working with new graduate doctors, getting them in, and it's a sole proprietorship, so I don't have employees at all. I take them in, teach them how to have their own business license, teach them how to do their taxes, teach them how to do their marketing, teach them how to be a doctor in their own way and support the community in their own way. And I'm supporting them. So I give them a beautiful space, clean space. I give them supplies, treatment rooms, and bring them to events with me. Sometimes we work with veterans. We go to these fights. Uh, when I go train at Dan Henderson's, sometimes I bring a doctor with me and they'll treat the fighters. And it's all donation based. We're not like, yeah, we'll, we'll treat you for uh, 200 bucks. You know, it's like, all right, man, how's your shoulder going? You, you blew out your AC joint. All right, let me take a look at that real quick. Go through the range of motion, figure out what's really going on and help them keep fighting. So Sanctuary of Art and Healing is my way of giving back to the community and creating this impact of like, wow, healing is available, you know? And it's, it's, you don't have to have premium $10,000 insurance, you know, like I'm fighting that. And going back to the small town talk is I've seen the most people who actually need that healing, but they just don't know mm. how to get it, including my own family. They don't even know and it that's exists. Why, yeah. And that's why, like, I may have had more of a negative tone when I was talking about Hicksville, but I actually love Hicksville. And I'd love to help everybody there give back to them one day too. Once I expand, um, I, I just want people to know that preventative healthcare is, it's not an afterthought. It's not optional. It is the cornerstone of healthcare. It's where individuals don't wait until they're sick to seek medical advice, sick mentally, sick spiritually, sick physically, internally, but you proactively manage your health to prevent illness from ever taking root, then you can accomplish anything. And I talk about a guy in my book, his name was Li Qingyuan. Uh, he was an herbalist from China, born in the 1800s, died in 1933. He died at the age of 256. 
that could be normal. Whoa, 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 what? He died how old? He died at 256. Holy. I didn't know that was possible, at least in this day and age. Like, that's the first I've heard of that many years. And what? Yeah. Wow. Crazy. But I get it. So, not a religious guy either. But I've always thought along the lines of age, right? They speak in the Bible and texts from earlier man about ages being a lot longer than they are now, where we live these shortened amounts. And it often comes to mind that are we, in fact, living a shorter lifespan for the simple fact that we have more mental illness from the human condition that is causing our actual physical well-being to diminish to the point where our lives are actually not longer, but they're just now starting to come back from what was like almost an all-time low. And there was this era that we went through where we thought that our knowledge was so superior, but these procedures that we were doing were literally killing people and we were injecting things that are literal poison. And we were like, yeah, our, our science is so superior to these ancient ways. And then we were kind of like slowly like figuring out, oh yeah, we got to test these and go through trials, clinical trials, get the efficacy, make sure it's right. But we're still not doing it right. No, you know, we're getting closer. But the idea of this superiority, the idea of this having an ego in our science needs to just get the hell out. Because that's not science, man. Science is discovery and creativity. It's using what you already know. And when you think about what I've based this five element model on and translated it for us to like think about, understand, it's 10,000 years old, 10,000 years of scholars spending and dedicating their lives to developing and and looking at the world this way because it works, you know? So if we can add this model to our individual life, to our, our doctor's uh, repertoire, like their, their skill set, they can use it as a tool. Uh, it's going to change it. everything. I mean, I don't like to use analogies for people for inanimate objects, but it's like a car. Change the oil, rotate the tires, change the spark plugs. Like your car's going to run a lot longer and a lot better. You don't wait till the motor seizes to then start fucking putting oil into it. You know, yeah. uh, I went through that whole 10 X, uh, deal. And, uh, I found it to be not affordable for the average human being, but the testing part of it at the beginning, I found it to be very effective and interesting, um, to go through every possible way, you know, they test every thing that they could figure out a way to test in your body, genetic, family history and give you a write-up of every level of everything and they try to sell you a bunch of shit but then at least you have that information to go <laughs> to the an they try to sell you stuff that answers the questions that they gave you or like the deficiencies like, that you have from their test right but it's no, like I'm a kidding. lot of it I, is I get no, but it is. And it's hard to tell because they are trying to sell you something. So you're like, it's business and it's doing very well. So you're making money. 100%. And then you see these numbers and they're like, this level of this is bad. I don't know that. They seem to know. And then they're like, this is bad. Then it leads to this and that. And 
you know, if you do some research and you look at the numbers and I've done a little bit of it, it seems to be like accurate information that these levels of things are bad kind of, but whether it's good or bad, like I've never before gone to the doctor and just got like a full health workup on everything without like being very sick or something like they never go like, here's your cholesterol, here's this, here's your testosterone, here's your magnesium, I'm making these magnesium and blah, 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 blah. They test like all the shit. I've never had that before, you yeah. know, where they do any of that. To Bro, see, I didn't until know? I got married because I got to tell you, my wife treats me like the, the dog and sets me an appointment once a year to go see the doctor, like the vet. <laughs> and I go get that stuff checked now. Um, I never did before. Uh, I'm with you that they do not provide any kind of proactive medicine in this country throughout, you know, your lifetime. I feel like the healthcare system is a strainer in that it literally only exists to extract money and it goes all the way through to the last day. It can extract money from you up to the last possible second. In fact, I would argue that the uh, screen gets that much smaller towards the end to make sure that it grabs every last penny before you die. And it carries over after your death mm, onto yeah. your family. Just, yep. Yeah. Yep. It follows you. I'm watching the my mom with cancer real. right now. Been watching her for about four years with it, and it is a racket like no other the greed is real my dudes Unbelievable. and that's why i'm fighting that's why i'm fighting so that's why you're getting into the octagon gary having the background that you have um i want to give just a, a minute or two as well to to have you talk to um jordan about what his fighting experiences felt like uh, well, who, who, uh, or where are you training at and going to spar at? I'm just curious. Oh, after this, I'll be going yeah. to Undisputed in San Diego. It's, uh, on University Avenue, El Cajon area. It's kind of one of those gritty gyms, you know, from dirty places, but the best. it's, it, they've yeah. got a sign right when you go to the front door that says, leave your ego at the door. And I love it, man. That's, I'm actually going to a party tonight for the release of the Undisputed video game. So, Oh, Ooh. you suck, man. It's <laughs> super cool. God, man, we said that. We had uh, we were just on an episode of Florida Men on Florida Man, and um, Josh and Wayne are fucking awesome, and now we all just text each other constantly. And um, the, uh, the thing that we consistently said is that Gary will come in and drop a card that trumps what anybody else has. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm hanging out with Mike Tyson this week. And you're like, yeah, well, dude, I will I, be twice. I know. That's, <laughs> I'm like, dude, man, they just got the new caramel frappuccino. Finally here. He's like, I'm going to see Mike Tyson. You're like, fucking, I'm done. Even that's a that's a boxing gym, though, right? That's a Muay Thai Muay Thai gym. Oh, they do Brazilian nice. Jiu-Jitsu and boxing there too, though. But oh, nice. very big boxing culture there too, for sure. Yeah, I love boxing. I, uh, I've been down in San Diego a lot with Pearl Gonzalez and Jeremy Stevens over the last. You're going to a bunch of different gyms that they go to. Uh, I like I like that area a lot. Uh, uh, um, and I, I know uh, you've been going to Temecula too. Joe Daddy's an old friend of mine. Oh, um, I love that guy, man. He's such a good coach. Genuine guy yeah. too. Dude, just a yeah, smile. You can't look at that guy and not smile. Yeah, really Great good dude. fight career too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he only calls me like, uh, like to check on me, just as a cool friend, or to like help somebody else. Like it's never like you know a lot of people in the fight game and will call me because they need something, which is cool. I'm there to help. But he always calls me just to check on me, which is rare for anybody to do. And then like I got a guy that's, you know, you could help him with the X, Y, and Z, and he, you know. It's always to help somebody else or just to be a cool dude and check on me after years and years though. Yeah. Definitely a good dude. Um, and he's all about his guys, you know, he's a great dad. And then he treats his, his students just like he treats his kids, you know, it's good. It's good to see that. I've seen his character from training with him, uh, at Henderson's all my classes have been with him or, or Jeff Creighton. Do you know Jeff Creighton? Yeah, Crazy Creighton? I don't know him personally, but I know you definitely know of him. He's also a really good guy too. Really great guy to train with. And he's been so patient with me on my grappling level and wrestling level. And I feel like training with those two this past fight camp has improved me so much. It's insane. When you feel, when people give to you how much you can really improve. And it made me want to give back to them so much. Not just because they gave to me, but they're just such genuine people. Joe is the guy who set up everything so I could I could treat at Dan Henderson's um, after the practices and it really shows how much he cares about the guys. Yeah. He's, he's a genius, man. Like that guy will look at a guy doing a technique from across the room and be like, just grab your thumb like this instead of like this and it will change the whole entire move. And, and, I, like love, this, and I, I love how straightforward <laughs> he is too. He's like, yeah. that sucks. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he stop yeah. doing that. Blunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we got to have him on the show. He'll definitely come on. Oh, definitely. He's, Let's bring him on anytime. He's seen I'll, it all. I'll mention to know? him on Wednesday um, when I see him next week. I'll be like, we talked awesome. about you on Tragedy Academy. You should go and talk for the guys. Dude, I'm yeah, sure Gary would get cool. him on here easily. Yeah, shit. I was actually wearing uh, the shirt from uh, uh, his TV show. I was wearing a Navy Street MMA shirt earlier and I had toothpaste on it. I was going to wear it for this show. I brushed my teeth aggressively. Uh, <laughs> see i'm a i'm a brush my teeth before my shirt goes on guy yeah i normally do because i'm a savage but i was just, running all around today and i just for some reason like i brushed my teeth before these podcasts yeah I, I don't happens. know why i like have to brush my teeth before these podcasts and then i'm sitting there like you can't smell my breath i don't know why yeah. I'm, I'm just imagining some like dane cook like classic aggression, like fuck, like that's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah, you Just never like... brush your teeth with any less anger than with the moment that you forgot to brush your teeth. Like if you forget to brush your teeth and you get a toothbrush in your hand, you'll make your gums bleed and you will cut the time down by a good thirty seconds. If I just brush it harder and matter, maybe it'll work just as well as if I had remembered. Yeah. All right, guys. This I, is as like, far hey, as I can go. But no, genuinely I, I appreciate want to you, say, brother. Thank you. I, I do want to shout out some of my sponsors, if that's Please. okay. Absolutely. Uh, go Fuel. I believe in them a lot as a sports energy drink because they don't have shit, like shitty shit inside their drink. They've got cordyceps, which is essential for training and avoiding fatigue. Support your kidneys. Chinese herb. They've got amino acids, only 200 milligrams of caffeine. And as an athlete, this That's has helped much. me a lot in my training. I um, also want to shout out um, Dan Henderson's for the amazing training that they've given me. Joe, I want to shout out um, Dan Hendo himself. 
and um, I'd also like to mention West Coast Wing Chun, my traditional Sifu, because he's been my foundation, my mother, my father, and I want to thank you guys for supporting me as well. Um, I'd be happy to be on the talk about this more in depth because we didn't even get 5% into my book, but uh, it's been a When's pleasure to meet you, man. What'd you say? When does it come out? Uh, it's going to come out in September. So be on the lookout for the five elements of preventative medicine. I'm going to narrate it myself. I'm going to put it on iBooks, Audible, Amazon. So it'll be out there. And I'm ready for America to, to read it and for us to all change collectively because that's what we need right now. I'm sure Jay will agree, but once it's out, we're both going to read it, and then we'll have you back on after we do so we can discuss it where we have a knowledge of, you know, what it is. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, and I really enjoyed meeting you, Gary. Jay talks about you so much.